When I was growing up, I used to watch, watch a lot of old cartoons. Things like Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry, you know, car- cartoons like that. And in those cartoons, one of the, the common images that often recurred was of a bad guy who had a, a black hat and a cape and a wiry mustache that he would always twist. And for some reason, the bad guy would always want to tie damsels in distress up and leave them up on train tracks. And where there was always a bad guy, there was, of course, always a good guy who had a preference for white hats over black. This good guy always would always save the young woman before she was hit by that train. Now, it was the kind of thing that happened in the cartoons all the time when I was a kid. The funny thing about it was that as a kid, I never knew exactly where these images came from. My guess is that at the time, they came from old movies, but I I was never really sure, and I'm still not. But it didn't really matter didn't matter because the images worked. I know who the bad guy was. I know who the good guy was just by looking at their hats. The image did its job, right? So I wonder if our gospel lesson this morning doesn't have a bit of this same thing going on with caricatures. We know that this leader of the synagogue is a bad guy who is easy to dismiss. The rhetoric of the passage makes this easy for us to think and easy for us to think the worst of him because of it. We don't even need that black hat. For to our ears, it's hard to understand why this leader is so upset about this healing. How can anyone take issue with another human being being healed of a debilitating illness that has plagued them for years upon years just because of the day on which the healing took place. To our ears, this is absolutely absurd. Indeed, I imagine for many here this morning, there is a great deal of doubt about the usefulness of a, of a strict adherence to religious practice in any arena. Most of us doubt the need for following a bunch of rules just because they are a bunch of rules. We need something more if we're going to follow them. We can see how destructive and dehumanizing a blind formality to religious rules can be to human beings. And perhaps because this is so, maybe this realization is only amplified in this gospel lesson because rules around keeping the Sabbath are pretty foreign to most of us. We like the idea of the Sabbath, but we don't really understand the synagogue synagogue leader's concern about the sanctity of the Sabbath. And because this is so, it's easy for us to dismiss the leader of the synagogue as just a mean old crank and in dismissing him to throw the Sabbath out along with him. And yet to understand the depth and profundity of this story, we need to recognize that Jesus is not rejecting the Sabbath. 
Quite the opposite, in fact. He is affirming the Sabbath and pointing to a significance in the Sabbath that is greater than the leader of the synagogue seems to realize. For Jesus, the significance of the Sabbath is not based on just abstaining from work as an empty duty to be observed to appease God. Rather, the significance of the Sabbath is grounded in the gift of not working in the name of a God-given freedom. Jesus is upholding the sanctity of the Sabbath as a sign and a symbol of liberation. For you see, there are two main reasons given for the Sabbath in Scripture. The first is that God's people are meant to observe the Sabbath because God rested on the seventh day of creation. God rested, and therefore, so should we. And not just us, but the animals and the earth as well. In doing so, God blessed and sanctified time itself and wove the Sabbath into the very being of creation. On the seventh day, God creates rest and sanctifies rest as a means of existing in relation to God. The second reason for the Sabbath in Scripture is that because the Hebrew people were once slaves, they are to keep the Sabbath to remind themselves of their freedom. Since they once were forced to work by an oppressor and are now free, they are now to keep the Sabbath as a sign of that freedom and as a sign of the justice that God won for them. And as such, they are not meant to be enslaved by an, uh, an oppressor or by their own activity, but are instead meant to live into the freedom that they have been given by God. They do this by taking a step away from work and by making space for rest. So it is these two reasons, with these two reasons in mind, that Jesus lifts up the Sabbath as he heals this woman. To Jesus, keeping the Sabbath is not an empty duty, as I said, meant to appease God. Rather, the Sabbath is meant to sanctify time and to give us life. Jesus sees the Sabbath as a means to free us from all forms of oppression, from the forces in our lives that dehumanize us and strip us of our dignity, even the oppression that we might impose upon ourselves. For Jesus, resting is part of what it means to be, and part of what, of what it means to exist in relationship to God. We are not meant to be enslaved by constant motion and activity. Instead, God calls us to, to step back and to recognize that we are primarily defined by our relationship to God and one another and not by what we do, not by our activities. This is why Jesus can affirm the healing of the woman in today's gospel. She was held in bondage for 18 years. She was bowed down under the weight of her illness. And now, now she is free. And now, now she can finally rest. 
Therefore, what could be more appropriate? Indeed, her healing on the Sabbath is exactly what the Sabbath is meant to convey. Her freedom, her liberation, her dignity. When we see this, I wonder if our problem with the Sabbath is exactly the opposite from the leader of the synagogue. He took adherence of the Sabbath so seriously, so mistakenly, but so seriously, that he lost sight of, the, of its purpose as a gift of freedom. But we, generally and usually, ignore the Sabbath and thus turn our backs on the gift of freedom that has been given to us. The leader of the synagogue is so obsessed with the discipline of keeping the Sabbath that its purpose is obscured. But we fail to see the purpose and even the necessity of keeping the discipline in the first place. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, when you seek out, when you set out, rather, to seek freedom, you must learn before all discipline of your senses and your soul. Nobody experiences the mystery of freedom unless through discipline. If this strikes us as counterintuitive, then it's because we so often contrast discipline and freedom. Often to our way of thinking, Discipline is constricting, while freedom is to be found in the loosening of strictures. And yet, without discipline, we simply are not free. Rather, we become enslaved to our whims and to our desires. And those desires end up ruling and enslaving us instead of us controlling them. And this can most clearly be the case when what we desire is noble and admirable, like the desire to work so often is. And so this morning, I want to ask us to seek to reclaim a bit of the sanctity of the Sabbath. In a world that is obsessed with constant motion and activity, our invitation is to learn to stop and reflect. In a world that defines self-worth around busyness, maybe we can come to see that our value is not based on what we accomplish, but rather on God's love for us as God's own beloved children. In a world that seeks to commodify and reduce everything to a resource to be exploited, perhaps we can revel in the freedom of wonder and awe in the beauty of the universe. And as we rest, maybe we can see that the whole creation is intended to rest with us. Our rest is intended to bring us into solidarity with all who long for liberation. Our Sabbath rest is intended to re reveal how we are interconnected with our fellow human beings and with the whole of creation. Sabbath rest is a cry for justice. Sabbath rest is a cry for justice for our fellow human beings and justice for our suffering planet. And so it is through rest that we can come to taste the liberation that God promises in the Sabbath. Jesus 
upholds the sanctity of the Sabbath, claiming its dignity for the woman he heals this morning, claiming its dignity for us. Maybe by stopping for rest, by stopping for contemplation, by stopping to make space in our lives for prayer, we can come to know a bit of the healing and liberation that Jesus offers to this woman in today's passage. Maybe we can know a bit of the healing and liberation that Jesus promises to each of us. Amen.